Support for this podcast comes from the patrons at patreon.com slash Serlin. Hello and welcome to Serlin on Game Design, episode 13, StarCraft. And with me today is Mr. G Phantom. Hey, hey, hey. And also a new guest, Leontes. Hello, thanks for having me, guys. Hey. So let's talk about StarCraft. There's this new Legacy of the Void expansion that just came out. You guys heard about that? Yes. I, I have it. Yeah. It's out there in the world. <laughs> <laughs> it's out there in the world. Yeah. I was going to talk to you guys just not as part of this episode, just to tell you about it. And I thought we might as well have the conversation so that everyone else can hear it too. And I kind of wanted to tell you like some things I like about StarCraft and also things that I don't like that I think if we had heard me say them years ago, people might just write me off as complaining or something too much. But now that we've seen what happened to StarCraft, I feel like these complaints are more relevant than ever. And what happened to StarCraft is that it kind of faded away as the main eSport. <laughs> you guys noticed that? That's fair. That's a fair right. thing to say, I think. Yeah. I mean, it was like, it was huge. Uh, one in four households in Korea, literally, literally one in four households owned StarCraft back in the days of StarCraft 1. It was just totally crazy. It was the, And it was the dominant eSport. And now it's all MOBAs. And yeah. StarCraft is down to like maybe 10% of market share in eSports, mm-hmm. if that yeah, no one talks about the big StarCraft tournament anymore. They all talk about the League of Legends or the Dota tournament. There's just not that hype anymore. Yeah, and even at BlizzCon, everyone was watching, like, the final event at BlizzCon seemed to be the Heroes of the Storm World Championship. It was, like, people were watching the StarCraft one, but it was still, like, people were more interested in seeing, like, which which country is going to take the HOTS one this time, you know? So it was, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, so I wanted to start by saying things that I like about StarCraft because I'm not a hater. I'm actually, I'm rooting for it. I've always liked it. So I just wanted to like make that clear. So I don't know, we could all say some good things about it. Like it was the game that a lot of us Street Fighter players played when we came home from the arcades. <laughs> you know, play, <laughs> yeah, yeah. play Street Fighter by day and StarCraft by night. Mm-hmm. And we talked about it all the time and played it online competitively, even though I was always just struggling to be even decent at it. It's like really hard to play. I'm sure you guys have encountered how hard it is to play. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Oh. Uh, I know. Yeah. Oh, you it's go ahead. great. Go ahead. It's I love to playing StarCraft against guys who are as bad as I was. But otherwise, yeah, it was like a total crapshoot for me. <laughs> So these, yeah. I mean, this is not any order. This is not an order of importance or anything, but like, I really like just the theme and flavor of it all, especially Protoss and Zerg. I never liked Terran. I wish they would just like get rid of Terran. I always <laughs> joked, joke they should take Terran and quarantine it off into its own game with Balrog, also known as Boxer from Street Fighter. Just get those guys out of their <laughs> respective mm-hmm. games and put them in the quarantine game so I don't have to deal with Terran through boxers. <laughs> okay, like I'm sort of kidding, you know, but but I, yeah, I like yeah, yeah. I like Terran and Zerg. I like the sound effects Protoss and, Protoss and the, and the Protoss theme. And Zerg. Oh, sorry, Protoss and Zerg, yeah. Guardian Slip. You like Terran. Yeah, oh, yeah, the, the truth's coming out. <laughs> um, and just all the cool units and their theme and flavor. I don't know, like Hydras and Lurkers, Carriers. Yeah. There's just a lot of great feeling, fun stuff in, yeah, in the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like a lore guy when it comes to like most of Blizzard games. Like I know everything there is to know about like Warcraft and Starcraft history. So in terms of like what the Zerg and the Protoss are, they're incredible. Like I know that like Starcraft kind of started out as kind of a Warhammer 40k 
sort of offshoot, just like how mm-hmm. Warcraft did in the early days of mm-hmm. just Warhammer before they lost licensing from Games Workshop. Just yeah, just like the the idea behind what the Zerg and Protoss represent. As a, I think the Terrans exist mostly for one for us to have our own sort of thing that we can relate to in storyline wise and whatnot. That just you know human military mm-hmm. dealing with aliens and crazy you know starship troopers, mm-hmm. bug dinosaur creatures and whatnot. This game like this game needs to have humans. It has to have humans for people yes. to connect with it. <laughs> It's also yeah, like totally. mysteriously close to Starship Troopers. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculously close <laughs> to Starship Troopers, which is why I made that reference. Yeah. Yeah. Starcraft is just cool. A lot of real time strategy games before it, like Command and Conquer and stuff, it's like all bland military stuff, you know? Yes. Like gameplay was new and fun and interesting, but it just wasn't as cool as playing the Protoss and their laser swords and their cool ships and Dark Templar and doing Sonic Storms. Like, that's actually cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Like, a lot of other RTSs are, like, boring military stuff. And you could say that StarCraft is, like, boring sci-fi stuff, but it's really all in the details. It's all in the incredible execution that makes StarCraft interesting flavor-wise. Even just the sound effects I admire. I imagine the meeting where they they had created the Reaver unit, and someone's like, what should the Reaver sound like? when it uh, <laughs> yeah when you yeah. summon it and, and you know people bounce around ideas and then they went with, with this like, like this weird thing we'll play the actual sound effect in post we'll add <laughs> in that in right. what you said yes right oh. yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> okay but anyway moving on past any surface stuff like the flavor what the units look like or any of that the strategy of starcraft is really interesting so you've got this economy that ramps up and the fog of war and travel time as kind of this double blind mechanism in a way like you have to make all these decisions without knowing exactly what's out there or what's coming at you (laughs) at that that moment yeah totally so a big compliment i could pay is that i went to the uc berkeley starcraft class which was taught by alan fang he did a terrific job and i wrote about that on my blog years ago chronicling like each session of that class and in analyzing the game so intensely you know so much it made me like the game more strategically not less so that's a huge compliment you know you could say that would start to fall apart like the closer you look at it or something but i didn't feel that was the case at all i thought it was strategically interesting just inherently I don't know, sure. Did you, yeah. Either of you happen to read the articles I wrote on that a long time ago, or no? I read that StarCraft article. Well, the series was of like it? twelve of them, or something. I don't remember if I read them all. It was a long time ago. No, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> or the, you, do you know Leontes? Yeah. No, I think I've seen them. The, the StarCraft one that I am most familiar with is talking about rock paper scissors in strategy games. Yeah, this is um, way older than that. Yeah, yeah. So is maybe I wasn't the- around then, or. Wasn't I mean, a fan it, at the time. Yeah. Was was this the one that where it talked about like snowball effect and all this other stuff? No, not not really. No, not, I mean, not that that, that one stuff's from me, not from that class. I'm talking about oh, the series okay. on the on the class. So like no, a lot of the, a lot of the math stuff that they analyzed. I guess it like illuminates truths that maybe I sort of knew already or that we all sort of knew, but you can like really see it clearly when it's laid out for you mathematically. Right. Uh, that, okay. Yeah. That stuff like. Just how important the exponential curve of resources is. Like the human brain is kind of bad at thinking about exponentials and you tend to underestimate them. And so a lot of the things we learned in that class just all come back to like, it's all about economy. 
<laughs> like, yeah. like, like just to summarize some of the, the high points, it's like at any given moment, you could imagine like pausing the game to think about what you should do. And at that moment, you need to ask the questions. One, if I send my army to their base, will I win right away? And if the answer is yes, then you should do that. If the answer is no, you should go to question number two, which is, am I in danger of immediately losing the game? Like they're going to send their army to me and I will just lose right then. And if that's the case, if you are going to lose right then, you need to put everything into military. Like nothing else matters but building guys. But the very common case is that you said no to that one too, that you're not going to immediately lose the game. Like they aren't in the process of sending their big force at you. And so in that case, really economy, 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 as much as you possibly can. Expand if you can, build as many workers as you can, and that will ultimately win. I mean, it should, or give you a huge advantage. And other things we looked at are like, if economy wins, then you want to be as greedy as you possibly can be, but just short of actually losing because of it. So like, ideally, you would spend your money on workers, which give you money, and you would only spend it on that until you couldn't even spend all your money that way anymore, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you're just making so much that now you have extra money. And then you spend all the extra money only on tech, meaning new buildings and higher tier buildings and upgrades. Mm -hmm. And once you've kind of done all you can do on that, then you would build your army so that like if no one, if like they know the joke of like no rush 15 minutes or something, yeah. like if you knew no one's <laughs> going to rush you. There would be no reason to like make Marines right Single away or, Marine. or, or, yeah, or, or, or something. <laughs> yeah. So you, right. You would delay all that. And then at minute, at minute 14, you have like no army. And then at minute 15 or something, you have just like this unbeatable, huge army. So that's what you would do ideally. But then in real practical terms, you've got to be very careful about like how much you cut into your economy. Like you can cut into it, make fewer workers than you theoretically could have, and then go harass them. And just like destroy them if they had their pants down, if they weren't ready. So now they've got to like be a little bit ready, you know, <laughs> ready, ready enough to not die to your early harass or something. And there's this guessing game of like, how yeah. much am I going to cut into my resources to be able to attack you? And then how much do you have to cut into yours to defend? Mm -hmm. Right. And then that's where like fog of war becomes extremely interesting and how far the opponent's bases from you and movement speeds of the units and build times of everything. Like it all, it all maths up to this interesting mesh. That's really difficult for like the human brain to comprehend in like a 10 second window of like decision-making. It's tough. That earlier part is, I think where, I don't know, 90% of people totally screw up. Well, yeah, I mean, you're on a real time curve here where mm -hmm. exponential curve. So if you falter a few seconds, uh, it actually matters a lot much mm -hmm. later. Like uh, here's something that, I guess I'd never really thought about until it was mentioned in that class. Let's say that you're about to get attacked in just a few seconds and you don't really have enough guys to defend. <laughs> like you could like maybe, you know, it's like right on the edge and you think it's pretty likely that you will lose workers. Okay. Like mm -hmm. and you'll probably like barely be able to keep playing afterwards. So should you a just fight off the guys as best as you can and lose some workers, but at least they were still mining during like all your workers were still going that whole time. Mm -hmm. Or should you pull all of your workers away and like go hide them in the corner so that you're mining zero during the entire battle, but you try to minimize the number you lose. Mm -hmm. So which is better? 
You have to instantaneously do math based on how many workers you have, how many minerals the SCVs are holding in their hands. And whether like they'll die and no, you'll you lose don't those. though because yeah. it, it turns out that one of these is like way way better than the other like so that you yeah. don't even have to do the math. I'm gonna guess. Yeah. I don't actually know the answer. I'm gonna guess. You have them keep mining, right? Yeah, I think so. So that was my guess, and that's wrong. And oh, really? It, yeah, it has to do with the human brain can't understand exponentials because mm. when you when you pull them off the mine, you, you, it feels so bad. You're like every second that goes by is like, oh, I'm not mining. Like I'm totally fucked. That's what it feels like. Right. But if you imagined like a graph, like an exponential graph that just like kind of curves way upward, if you pull them off the mine, you're curving way upward and then suddenly you get zero and the graph would just be like completely horizontal mm -hmm. and then you put them back on and then you, you will continue along the exact same exponential. It'll just all be delayed. I see. But if you have your workers die, the angle of that graph will change. So like you're on a lower exponential curve. And as time goes on, you're just going to get farther and farther and farther behind the person who did the other way. I see. Hmm. So losing workers is like a catastrophic, horrible thing, in other <laughs> right. words. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And even mining zero is better than losing. <laughs> than losing one worker. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I totally, I buy that. I see what you mean yeah. there. All right. See, any, see, or Go ahead. Yeah. No, I was going to say, so I got the answer wrong. So I, I'm bad at this game. <laughs> <laughs> sure we're all bad everyone's bad at starcraft yeah um okay we can move, move on uh, okay. I, all of that is just to you know show that starcraft's like interesting there's a lot of Steven. interesting things about it strategically mm -hmm. and, and there's some here's some irony for you though is that after i you know i've told you all this stuff that, oh oh actually you know what i do want to say one more strategy thing that was covered in that class that came up a lot i mentioned that everything seemed to come back to it's all about economy well, there was a second thing, <laughs> like a number two thing that it always comes back to. It's all about scouting. And yeah. of course, if you're bad, you just like don't scout and you just don't even know. Mm -hmm. You just make carriers, yeah. right? They just beat everything. Yeah. 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 Why scout when you can just make carriers and yeah, eventually yeah, it'll yeah. win? <laughs> <laughs> but the way my it, level games, you know, down at the, the uh, <laughs> carbon tier. Whatever you want to call that. <laughs> I guess the, the way to think about the scouting thing is like, Let's say you scout them and at that moment, the exact moment when you see everything they have, you know what they have, like call that 100% knowledge or something or close to it. And at that moment, you know a lot about what you should build to beat them. You can think of it as like a, a lot of paper, rock, scissors stuff going on where they might have gone like this way far in the rock direction or something. And so you know that and now that is a huge advantage because you know you can just make paper and you're fine. Now, let's say you scout them and they've gone pretty far in the rock direction and you're feeling good about yourself. You're like, I'm going to go pretty far in the paper direction. And then your scouter dies or gets pushed out of their base or whatever. And so you don't know anymore. And like, let's say 30 seconds passes. Well, you still basically know what they have because not a lot can change in 30 seconds, you know, mm -hmm. but then a minute passes and two minutes. And like, as more and more time passes, it's like a cone of uncertainty that's getting wider and wider and wider. And if you let several minutes pass, you have really no idea what to build to counter them. And mm -hmm. it's just a pure guess. And so you, you could actually start to kind of mathematically quantify like the value of scouting because it's like the cost of like having to counter three different things that they might do compared to the cost of only countering the thing that they actually are doing if you perfectly scouted Indeed. them. Right. Yeah. So scouting, scouting, scouting. Very important. Just like Sun Tzu's Art of War. Spies are the <laughs> most valuable asset in all of war. Mm -hmm. All right. So now I want to move on to the somewhat ironic thing that 
during the time of that StarCraft class and I was writing all this stuff, uh, I was critical of StarCraft here and there for how hard it is to play for seemingly no good reason. And this prominent StarCraft player was like totally upset about this and argued with me a lot and like flamed me and so on. And I thought it was ironic because he was basically forced to take the position that his own game that he likes, I mean, he likes it way more than I do, is in his mind, like just inherently crappy, except for its bad user interface that makes it great. Whereas my position is that (laughs) if you played StarCraft (laughs) with like just your brain, you know, with no interface in between, you could just do anything you want, that it would be like a great, interesting game. And then his position is like, no, it would be a terrible game. It's only good because of how hard it is to play. Like the UI how barrier. it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so to, and I don't want to straw man that. That's really his position. And the reason mm-hmm. for that position is that, okay, I'm sure you're familiar with how splitting attention is so important in that game. Like, yes. Y- yeah. That's a currency all its own. Yeah. Go ahead and talk about attention as a as a currency for a second so and, and that's kind of funny because that does lead into starcraft 2 we'll talk about that later i assume with archon mode mm-hmm. but attention is essentially like a lot of strategies in starcraft involve things like attacking one thing to focus someone to look at that and have them send their army to defend the thing and then you drop like reavers in their worker zone right to just kill a bunch of workers and you have to know what they're looking at so that you can attack what they're not looking at and it, it's a really really hard thing to do when you're also trying to be perfect uh, economy guy, making sure all your buildings are being produced, your microing units inside an actual fight. Like Attention is probably the hardest thing for me to be good at in terms of RTSs in general. And the point you made about how he says the game would be better, or it's better that it's harder to play and that if you could just think and do things, it would be easier and then everyone could kind of do it. That's that argument there, that attention being a currency is what separates like a, a, a worse player from a better player that they can divide their attention. Yeah, um, that's right. And yeah, and it's because like anyone can build units, but can you build units while you're microwing siege tanks in a fight and watching and making sure they're not sending dropships into your worker pile and all that? Yeah, you nailed it there. So part of it is, I mean, you started off, it was almost a little deceptive where you started off with the most advanced thing of like actively spitting people's attention. But the more basic thing is like trying to micro a fight, even the most minimally, even, you know, not even like as a master, but just like making sure you focus fire, moving your guys out of the way of bad areas, <laughs> just like yeah. basic micro. packing your Marines and then not getting hit by side storms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like basic, obvious micro, like even to be able to do that and at the same time, take care of all the macro you need to take care of, making sure your economy is are you still making workers? Are you are you making your next wave of guys? Did you forget to like upgrade your Protoss armor or whatever? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, build build the next tech building in your whatever path you were going. Oh, crap! Amount of supply now I can't build anything. Yeah, mm. yo, you forgot to make pylons or something, and now yep. you're screwed. And and this that's before we even got to anybody intentionally trying to screw with you. You know that's a whole <laughs> a whole other level when they're like harassing you over here and then their real forces over there or something. So there, yeah, there's a lot of attention strain and uh, certainly that's a huge skill. Maybe the, well, I don't think the most important, I would say second most, maybe uh, one of the most important skills. So it's not totally crazy what this player was saying. Like we, I think we understand kind of his point, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if you were literally a Zerg Overbind and you could control every single unit, independently simultaneously like a broken cpu ai difficulty level 
the game would be pretty easy to play, like for pretty much anybody. It's pretty unique among the real-time strategy genre. Like, I don't have to worry about splitting my intention like Street Fighter or anything like that. Correct. Yeah, so I get that argument, but I disagree with it. And I mean, rather than just start by my disagreement, I think I can make my my side sound better <laughs> by <laughs> before we even get to that just explain a little bit of the history of what's already happened like this is not my opinion or something this is the, just the facts of what has unfolded so when starcraft 2 was in development but not released yet there was a lot of talk about should it be easier to play or not. And, you know, of course, some people saying like, no, it shouldn't be easier to play because of this, all this stuff that we just talked about, like this argument that if you could control it with your mind, it's a terrible game. Easy special moves. Easy special <laughs> moves. Episode 12 of our podcast right there. Mm -hmm. So some of the examples of things that were going to be easier. Well, one was auto mine, where your workers at the very beginning of the game, instead of sitting there doing nothing, they just start mining. <laughs> <laughs> and when you, <laughs> when you build a worker, instead of sitting there doing nothing, it starts mining. Another one is multiple building selection. So you could like select like three different gateways at the same time and press like Z, 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 and you'd make a zealot in each one. And it, it knows what you meant, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you, you meant Terran make... is pretty big on that because you have like the reactor in the tech lab. And so when you make Marines, it's going to want you to use the reactor buildings first. Then if you're making something else, it's going to, you know, and it's very smart about it too. So this was in the works, but not released yet. The multiple building selection, auto mine. I feel like we're forgetting some. Oh, oh, right. Select army control. Oh yeah, go on. What, what about army control? Well, you can press a button now to automatically select every single unit in your army that's not a worker. Is that a newer thing? I don't think that was even in the original StarCraft II release. Or was it? I'm not it? sure if it... I think you know it, what? I don't think, I think it, it might was. not have been. I'm pretty sure it wasn't. No. But um, I mean, okay, I'm sorry if I'm wrong on that. But I don't remember that being there when it first came out. But anyway, this, this, all this stuff I'm talking about was before release. It was stuff that was being tried. And one side is saying like, no, this is all bad. This is all making the game... It's dumbing it down, right? The same. I mean, you're laughing because it's the same thing as the special moves. Like, yeah, right. You can't you can't just let anyone do a Hadouken and Street Fighter or you're else. You're dumbing it down for you, casuals. You're, yeah, casuals. you're dumbing it. Right. And then so if Seth Killian was here, he would say, no, you're when Daigo like does some amazing thing. Nobody is like, oh, it was so great that he threw all the fireballs he meant to throw. That was really incredible. No one says that. Mm -hmm. That's stupid. Like, it's just a baseline. You just expect that he can do all the things he's supposed <laughs> right, to do. Right, That's right. not the impressive part. Impressive part mm -hmm. is like separate from that. And, you know, the same thing here, like the impressive part really should be separate from just like execution stuff everyone has to do. Yeah. Anyway, uh, here's a counterpoint. It was from Blizzard itself, from Rob Pardo, who was the VP of game design at Blizzard at the time of this. And he said, okay, there's, you know, some reason to keep this stuff difficult. But there's something else that this trumps it that's just way more important than any of the rest. Example he gave was selecting how, how many units can you select. So in StarCraft 1, you can only select 12 units, I think it was. So he said, you know, in StarCraft 2, we could make it so you can only select 12 units, or we could raise that to 20, or we can make it just infinite. We can do anything we can dream of on this unit selection thing. So what should we do? And he said, if we decide that we are going to stick with 12, maybe we have some reason that, you, you know, we want things to be hard to do or whatever. But that's not what it's going to feel like to most people. It's going to feel antiquated. It's going to feel like, why am I playing this ancient game? Like, because mm -hmm. I, I mm -hmm. want to select more guys in this. And it's a stupid feeling 
artificial limitation. It's just the feeling is so wrong and such bad UI that he's like, that beats any other concern. We have to let you select however many units you want. Like if you've got a whole screen full of units, you can just drag a big box around them and it works. It doesn't mm. just leave off some of them. Randomly yeah. select like <laughs> the things inside the box like yeah. it did in StarCraft 1. Yeah, so I can actually totally attest to this because before I played any StarCraft game or even WarCraft game, I played Command and Conquer. And in Command and Conquer, if you have like 50 guys, you can just select them all and use them. Like that made sense to me. I always thought it was kind of strange in StarCraft that you can only select so many. I just accepted it whenever I played it because I was like, hey, that's, that's how it works. But I, I, thought, I always thought it was kind of a little strange. Yeah, this is sort yeah. of the point of this entire podcast is that I always accepted it too, but time has passed. We have more games now. We've grown up. We've seen more user interfaces and it just doesn't fly anymore. Like, so Blizzard did the right thing there, I think. I think they would be in an even worse position now if they had decided to keep the 12 unit selection thing. Like, it seems laughable, doesn't it? Like, it, yeah, to like, imagine mm-hmm. if StarCraft 2 had kept it didn't keep it. But if you just imagine it had kept it. Yeah, like when I played StarCraft 1, it just felt like a software limitation or something. Like, like it just, <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, right. that's well, what he uh, said. That's what he said. People will think it's a software limitation, and it's well, not I mean, in your, StarCraft your units 2. units can only go up to 255 kills on the <laughs> mm-hmm. little yeah. kill tracker. So, you know, I guess we're dealing with a certain number of bits here. I guess I can't get more than 12 guys in one command group. That makes sense. That's fine. I, mean, what, I remember yeah. remember one of the marketing taglines, and like I think it was a, a trailer or some sort of gameplay sampler. And the narrator was like, this game is about large armies fighting other large armies. And like, you can't say that with any sincerity if you were only able to select 12 at a time. 12 out of 200 food. So another another thing that, well, that's a little misleading because some could be more than two food, more than one food. But sure. Another thing Pardo said about this is he's like, some people will be concerned that it changes the balance of the game if we allow you to select any number of units. Like the thing it would affect the most is anything where you want to select the largest number of units you can imagine. So mm-hmm. really like a lot of Zerglings, mm-hmm. like where before maybe you had four different groups of 12 Zerglings and now you could put that all in one group. So yeah, that would be affected in a way and that w- it would be easier to attack someone with that many Zerglings if you can just select them all at once rather than select 12 of them, control one, select another 12, control two, <laughs> select another 12, <laughs> control three, another 12, control four, and right. then one attack, two attack, three attack, four attack. That whole sequence is what you'd have to do. So mm-hmm. if you're like super good, you will do all that and it's not that different. It's just kind of letting everyone do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's not changing really how hard that is for experts. Yeah, well, it doesn't change the actual because they're doing play. it anyway. Right. I mean, it changes it like a little bit. Like they've got that many clicks to spend on something else, so it sure, has some sure, effect. Sure. But, but Pardo's point is that it's kind of minimal. It's like you don't have to say the sky is falling on that, and you could just like balance zerglings a little differently or something if it turned out you needed to. Mm-hmm. And that that's what you should do, that you should change the actual underlying balance if needed, but that the pillar, like the, the thing you are committing to should be good UI. And in this case, specifically right, right. good UI really means, I think matches the player's intention. Like your intention is I want to attack with a bunch of Zerglings. So you select them all and you attack. You don't put them into four groups. Like what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Zerglings aren't really that civilized. You want to just send them all. 
Yeah, you, okay, have so to, you, you still could do four groups, though. Like that's that's what's neat too is that if you really needed to split them into four groups of twelve for whatever reason, just to have more control, like microing them in a fight, like to surround three different colossuses at the same time or something, then you'd want to do that, right? You wouldn't want to just like a click to the back. So you still have the option of doing all that, but like you said, for everyone, for casual player, pro player alike, you should still have the option of grabbing everything and just going with it. So all that was about number of units you can select in a group, but it's the same story for these other things like auto mine. Obviously your intention is to have your workers mine and not sit there and do nothing. <laughs> and right. so, so like, does it really change much? Like all it, it's, it's just a click tax to make you do that. It attacks mm. in that the click to make the mine doesn't really have to be there. So if the developer decides to put it there, it's artificial and extra, like, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. It, when you look at it through the through the lens of, of player intention, I mean. I have exactly one thing to say about that. Go ahead. In StarCraft, there's literally one thing you can do when the game starts, and that's build an SCV. You have you don't have enough resources to do anything. You can't build a barracks. You can't start anything. Like I guess maybe Zerg can make an extractor, but you wouldn't do that. But you start out with exactly enough to just start your economy going. And so all your workers are standing there like idiots in front of your, your command center not doing anything. In a game like Warcraft 3, however, it was actually really important to not have them be automatically mining gold as like human, for example, for several reasons. Because when the game starts, you're building two buildings you're like immediately out the gate. You're doing things with resources because the game starts you off with a certain number of gold that lets you have more flexible openings. In StarCraft, that is not the case because you start with just 50 minerals. I don't think that's so a good argument. You should. They should still It's not a good argument. They should still auto mine even then, though, like because you could just pull them so? off. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, well, they disappear inside the mine. That's what's annoying. Like if you're playing like Night Elf, then, you know, all five of them go in there. Then you have to click the mine, pop the wisp out, then send it to make a thing. Sure. Well, then, that, like, then that should change. The, but still yeah, the default of yeah. gathering resources sound good. Okay, uh, You've kind of interrupted me here because now you're forcing me to go off in this tangent I was saving for later. But we'll do it now because you just <laughs> brought it up. But I'm sorry. Uh, how many workers do you start with in StarCraft 2? Do you know? Um, now. Isn't it 12 now? <laughs> yes, that's the amazing, bold move. So here's a, I'm going to give him big thumbs up on this. Like, I'm surprised they had the guts to change this. Because <laughs> right? yeah. as soon as I heard there was 12 workers, literally the first thing I did was look at the forums. I just Googled it to read everywhere I could. <laughs> what do people think of this? Oh, and, no. <laughs> and I found exactly what I thought I would find, which is all the like most hardcore people saying like, oh, the whole game's going to be ruined. Mm -hmm. Like, you got to rebalance everything if you're going to, you know, I mean, back from earlier. And I read this on the release, mm -hmm. but I'm reading stuff that was written earlier in time during the beta. So it was like stuff from when it was first revealed that there would be 12 workers. And just predictably, it's all saying like, got to rebalance the whole game, got to change everything. Also, it's going to suck. But that's all wrong. It's fine. Yeah. I don't think they even did anything to rebalance it or is it minimal. Isn't yeah. there isn't there like a level circular logic with that, too? Like with some of those people who would say that, like, oh, now you have to rebalance everything. And then Blizzard will probably say, yeah, we will rebalance everything. Oh, but if you rebalance everything, then the game's not the same. It'll just suck. You know, I've like encountered this again and again, like in uh, in Puzzle Strike. I realized at some point the game would be much better with the combined chip was changed to have minus one dollar on it. And then. Some of the testers were like, oh, yeah, that's better dynamics. And then others were like, no, it's going to ruin everything. The whole game's mm -hmm. different. Got to rebalance right. everything. And I was like, do you really have to rebalance everything? Really? Like, 
what do you mean by everything? How many, exactly yeah. how many chips do we have literally to change? Literally every chip. <laughs> yeah. And so, so yeah, so someone said literally every chip and I was like, okay, well, why don't we just fix the worst offenders? And so we changed like two chips, literally two, because <laughs> mm-hmm. those two were kind of broken on day one. Okay. Now what? Anything else? And then over the course of like a couple months, we changed like maybe four more or something and it just pretty much worked. You yeah. barely changed them right. also. Possibly for reasons unrelated to yeah. minus one combined. Well, I know. I mean, we changed more than four for reasons unrelated to that, but okay. reasons related to that wasn't, it, it still wasn't that many. It just wasn't a big deal. Like, right. But it made the whole game work better. Okay. And then in, in Yomi, exactly the same thing was said about making normal attacks draw a card. I thought it would be better dynamics if they did. Some people said like that it wouldn't be or whatever, or that even if it would be, we'd have to change everything. And it was like, really everything? Like it was really the same story again. It was like, okay, there was like two things that were broken right away that we just immediately fix. And then a few speeds here and there changed, but really it just made more speeds relevant. Like a lot of speeds didn't matter before. Like yeah, it, definitely. the important speeds were like really fast, pretty fast, and that's it before. But now the whole gradation of really fast, pretty fast, medium, slow, slower, like all that started to matter. So it's not that we need to rebalance a bunch of things. It's just that more things were relevant to the game, more moves were relevant to the game. Right. And in StarCraft, like, I mean, I don't know their history of it, uh, what they changed exactly after they implemented that, but it, it works really well. I think it immediately made sense to me. Like, hey, let's get to the action. Why did we start these RTS games with like boring openings? We barely do anything. So it, it's bold. It's exciting to play when you can just do more early. Same in Codex, by the way, you know, the card game we've been working on for 10 years plus. Mm-hmm. You start with four workers, basically four lands, whereas in mm-hmm. Magic, you start with one. I was frustrated with card games where it's like, okay, turn one, I've got one mana. I don't know. I guess I'll do literally nothing <laughs> with that yeah, or most of the time. or yeah. play my only thing that costs one because obviously I'm going to do that. But if you start with more resources, you've got more to do early. Mm-hmm. So yeah. great job on that. And I wanted to point out the progression where you have 12 workers now. The previous expansion of StarCraft II, you started with six workers Starcraft 1, you started with four workers. They didn't even auto mine. You got to click on all of them. <laughs> and then it, oh, uh, and, yeah. and you wanted to click different mineral nodes so that yes. they didn't waste any time getting to each one and starting. Because if they all ran to the same one, they'd all see that they're all there and then they'd scatter off. Mm-hmm. Let me come Precious back. seconds. That, that's true. Let me, let me come back to that point. But to finish my thing. Um, <laughs> and then in Warcraft 2, you started with one worker. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's right. And no base. Yeah. And you had to build your base. So it's like mm-hmm. this, you know, decade plus progression towards, hey, let's just get this game going instead mm-hmm. of sitting around doing nothing. Oh, Puzzle Strike also. You start with 10 chips and in the card game Dominion, you also start with 10 cards. But in Dominion, three of your cards do nothing. And then in Puzzle Strike, the analogous three chips are character chips that all do special moves. So it's mm-hmm. yet another attempt to start the game right away rather than more boring do nothing yeah. turns. Yeah, This is almost like saying that if you played chess at like a really high level, it's like, okay, we're going to put the camera on the table. Then the guys are going to get all the pieces out. Then we're going to put the board on the <laughs> Then we're going to line up all right, the pawns. Yeah. Yeah. Set up the queen and the king and the bishops and get everything ready. Okay, E4. Yeah. And now StarCraft is saying, okay, E4. Before we do anything, we got to watch the setup. It's so important, guys. Come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. One of the commentators is going to talk about the matchup yeah. and talk about the players and yeah. how far they came. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, right. what, that's what that time is for, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. 
Yeah, you can't take that away. Okay, so so now that uh, we're done with that tangent on the progression of starting with one worker to starting with 12, uh, I'll finish off the other thought I was on. So I, we covered the group selection thing and auto mining. And now you to go back to your point that auto mine is more than just like they automatically start mining instead of doing nothing. They also will split so they don't all go to the same mineral patch and mine really inefficiently. That is incredibly annoying when that doesn't happen because it... <laughs> I mean, just think about how it used to be where it's like, okay, ready to play StarCraft? Go. And then the first thing you have to do is frantically click on four different things, and you can't even send them to the same mineral patch. You want to split yeah. them. Into- that's, that's skill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And good luck if you're new to the game and you do the new mistake of like just selecting them and just throwing them at it because that's what you want to do. So, yeah, I mean, that is a skill, but that's just like a really crappy thing. To, yeah, it's to a really a horrible thing to test. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the group selection, the auto mine, multiple building selection, the thing where you can, you know, build a bunch of marines or whatever out of several buildings at once. Smart cast is another one. That's like if, if you, you have wanna, multiple Templars and you want to. Yeah, you have multiple Templars and like you want to click somewhere to Psystorm, but you don't want all of your Psystorms to go off at once for no reason. <laughs> yeah, like right. overlapping. Yeah. So you could tab through your subgroups and when you get to the Templars, if you press T you will just use one of their size storms. That's a StarCraft II thing. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult in StarCraft One to achieve that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, WarCraft Three did that as well. Yeah. So let's look back at those things. Now, imagine that they hadn't done any of those things. <laughs> I mean, this was a big debate, but isn't it crazy now to think of them not doing these things? Yes. Is it, I mean, well, is it just yeah. me or what? Like... Yeah, I, f- I feel like it was a controversial thing then, but it just can't possibly be controversial now. Well, if you're an old <laughs> pro who is really stuck in their ways, I'm almost certain yeah. they would prefer it the old way. Oh, really? Just- I mean, OK, if someone yeah. said that they liked Brood War better than StarCraft 2, that's fine. OK, I'm not I don't I'm not debating that they can absolutely like Brood War better as a whole for all sorts of nuanced reasons. But mm-hmm. I just don't think that these are the reasons exactly i don't know i've never been like in that mindset but like i've seen people in that mindset i'm not in the starcraft community but like we'll go back to hdr versus st and some of these st guys like they exist and they think like that a lot of the thing that comes with removing what we call execution taxes and stuff right is that people feel like they've put the time in to learn these things and they feel like the reason that they are an excellent player or that they've gotten as far as they've gotten in the tournament scene or whatever is because they've paid their dues, you know, they've they've put in the time learning these things. Right. Like all the weird option selects and fighting games and, and just in this case it's like clicking each SCV and sending it to different mineral patch. Yeah. That's the thing that I had to train, dang it. And now none of these casuals have to do that. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. That's something nice. that they would want to see come back because it's it's one of those like protected skills in their brain that they're like, I invested time. I want to make sure that I can keep on cashing in on that investment. And I don't want that barrier to be removed because it makes me less good. It's like a fraternity hazing logic or something. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's really veteran player privilege. Privilege. Like like I played Starcraft one so much and I've learned all these skills. I get the privilege to be really good at this game. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, another way of looking at it is that it's really selling the game short. I think it goes back to that argument the top Starcraft player was having with me where he's kind of forced to say that like the game is ultimately crappy if not for the interface because mm-hmm. you know i'm like well why not remove all this stuff and then it's going to be even better when a player says we need all these bad interface elements because i've learned how to get around them either they're mm-hmm. saying 
the straight up cocaine logic of like it. Exactly. It helps me win. Therefore, it's good to exist in the design, which is blatantly false. Like it's not a reason for a thing to be in a design. Or mm-hmm. like if they're not very self-aware, they might just sort of be making that argument, not really thinking about it. But if you push them on it and you point out that makes no sense at all, then the way to retreat to another position would be to say, okay, no, it's not the cocaine logic. It's not that it helps me win. It's that if you took away this particular bad UI thing that I can work around, the underlying game is bad. Like there, right. there's not really much strategy to StarCraft, a person might say, yeah. except right. for right. all of this. You know, once you've got to do micro and macro at the same time and it's really hard. But so I think that's, that's selling the game short. And, and I've always maintained that the, underneath the surface of StarCraft is a really good game. And we need to get to that, not covered up with intentionally bad UI. So, so StarCraft mm. has made a lot of progress. And so my first point is that it's basically unthinkable to imagine undoing that UI progress to going like, okay, StarCraft three is coming out and, uh, you know, we're going to make it, uh, only five units can go in each group. <laughs> right, right, right. right. Because we, yeah. you know, it used to be 12 and that was, that was better than infinite. So we're just, we're going to make it even better, <laughs> right? We're going to make it like harder and harder and we're and it, you're going to have to auto no more auto mine. You got to click on every unit again. Like it's just, it's totally crazy. Like it's already been shown that that's wrong, that we didn't need any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so where Blizzard is now, it's a very confusing spot because it's like a schizophrenic thing with like two parts of the brain, like arguing. So on the one hand, they buy into this, what I just said, that better UI and matching player intention is the right direction to go in. I know they do because even though people freaked out at auto mine, multiple building selection, selecting infinite number of units and smart cast, they did it anyway because they thought it was the right thing to do. So somewhere in there, they believe in this path. And another evidence is that their communications these days around legacy of the void seems to be, they want to do two things. They want to make it more accessible and widen the market. And you know, that's the stuff we just said. The opposite thing is they want to make it appealing to the hardcore pros and increase the skill ceiling. They're caught in some kind of paradox here because these things are, <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's just so much trouble trying to do both. I want to give some more examples now of what I'm actually complaining about. Now that we've heard about things that have been complained about in the past, but have already been settled, like auto mine and all that. Oh, yeah. What about inject larva? Number of larva you have in Zerg is like your restriction of how much stuff you can build per minute, basically. And you have to click every 40 seconds or whatever it is, the V key, and then... (laughs) And then your <laughs> hatchery to get more larvae. Select a queen first, right? Right. So you've got a hot key or queen. I always put mine on four. So I do like control four. Then I got to press four. I think okay. I have to press four twice because I don't want to just highlight it, but actually go to it and then press V and then click on the hatchery. And they did all that super on purpose because at the time the explanation was, well, we removed all these clicks that you had to do with like auto mine and so on. And we didn't want to make the game too easy. So we added in this inject larva thing. And I was like, oh my God, you have to be kidding me. So it was put there for the express purpose of like wasting your time and adding more clicks. We can't just let you look at a battle and micro that and still be able to like maintain your base because that wouldn't be a skill game anymore. So that, you know, they added this inject larva thing so that it's like just goes directly against what I would call UI to capture the player intention. Do you think my intention is to not make those larvae all the time? Like, obviously, my intention is to make it every 40 seconds. (laughs) 
Why don't and then, you just get an extra larva every 40 seconds? Yeah, why don't you just get an extra larva mm-hmm. every 40 seconds? Do you know the Protoss equivalent? It's the Chrono Boost? Yeah, mm-hmm. Chrono Boost. So every whatever number of seconds that is, you go back to your base and click on some building that you want to make, what is it, 50% faster. So yeah, exact same thing. Like It's there entirely to add more clicks, which is really just the opposite yeah. of... And, and then also intent. to create a window in which you can make mistakes like you don't inject on the 40 seconds at that exact second. Like if you miss it by like six seconds, then now you're behind. And if you haven't used your chrono boost the second that it's, you know, the cooldown comes up, then you're starting to become more and more behind. Yeah, so it's this attention right. mechanic as well, where is that a skill? Is that a skill that they're trying to test? Like possibly that could have been the, the reasoning behind why they did that. Gotta pay your but, click tax. Gotta play your t- click tax. Yeah. You don't pay your click tax, you're gonna lose. Right. Okay, but, so but like these we- are great examples because these specific two things are great examples because they show the schizophrenia that's going on, I think, in Blizzard's exactly, design yeah. department because mm-hmm. of what happened in Legacy of the Void. Do you know the differences? They're they're both different. Indeed, indeed. So the Protoss thing is, well, you don't have to keep going back there like every X seconds. Just put it on something and it'll stay on that forever. And instead of giving a 50% boost, it's a 15% boost, but it's always there. So you basically just leave it somewhere until eventually you feel like moving it and then you move it. So now it's not really a click intensive thing at all. And it pretty much does do what you would intend. Like, I mean, as a player, what do I want to do with this chrono boost thing? It's like, I want to say, just make my gateway faster for a while. And now you can just click on your gateway and it'll be faster forever until I do something else. It really does line up with your player intention. Okay, good. What about the larva thing? Oh, well, you might also wonder why didn't they just remove the chrono boost? I actually wonder that because the reason... It's the entire game. Well, the reason it was put there (laughs) was to intentionally add more clicks to split your, you know, concentration or whatever. And then if that was deemed to be kind of stupid, then it has no reason to exist at all and it shouldn't be there. But it still is there just in a way that isn't intrusive. And then the larva thing is even more weird because let's say you forgot to inject larva. So you finally get around to doing it and then you can just do it again and it stacks. But it didn't used to do that. Mm -hmm. So now it's like more forgiving when you fuck it up. But then why is it even there? Like it's (laughs) it's there just to stumble you up. But it's not too bad if you make queens. I don't know if you don't know. It's it's not there to make sure you make queens. The queens are there (laughs) to make sure you make the larva. It's that's the way the chain of logic. I think it's just one of those things of like, crap, we have it in there. And if we remove it, like if we remove Chrono Boost, they're just going to complain that we're removing shit. So let's just make it way easier, I guess. Don't remove things. Don't remove things, you know? Support for this podcast comes from patrons like you at patreon.com slash Serlin. You can become a patron and support the development of more finely tuned Serlin games, as well as more content on this podcast. And if you do, you get access to a sneak peek at art that's in development and playtest materials for upcoming games. You also get access to a special second podcast where you can hear behind the scenes of how we actually solve design problems. That's patreon.com slash Serlin. In playing the game and looking at it again, I was starting to see all these clicks in like two different categories. And one category is it's stuff that I obviously want to do. And if it's not happening, then it's felt like it just should have been automatic. It's like it's not even a decision thing. And so it's purely what I would call a click tax. Then there's another category of stuff where it's not really like that. It's more like I have the opportunity to do advanced stuff by using my clicks in a clever way. And there's decisions involved. 
So I wanted to talk about those two things totally separately. So the first one, the click tax one is like, okay, I hope we're all on board with auto mine. So if that's the case, why not auto worker? I mean, I always build workers. <laughs> I always click a bunch of times. I have to keep going back doing it. My intention every single game is to just build a lot of workers. Like, why mm -hmm. don't the workers build automatically, really? If you remember earlier when I was talking about the StarCraft class and the, how it's all about economy, and I mentioned that ideally you would want to, like, only build workers and then not have to cut into that to make fewer unless you had to. But that's a really interesting decision of will you cut some workers and how many. So in order to preserve that, I mean, I imagine what you could do is you could have a meter, like a dial you can set as a player where one extreme is full economy and the other extreme is full army. And if you set that to full economy, it means never cut a worker ever. Just like if you have money, put it into workers, only put money into army if there's extra money. And then the other side is the opposite. It's like, it's emergency time. Don't ever stop building army to make a worker. <laughs> like make all <laughs> right. the army you can. And if somehow that's, it's all cooking and there's extra money, then go ahead with the workers. Mm -hmm. And then you could set things in between. Similarly, like, let's say I noticed in Zerg in mid game, a lot of the time, I just want a lot of Hydras, even though I might've had a different plan earlier. It's like, oh, well right now I really need some anti-air and Hydras are good at that. And else can hit ground. They're just kind of good general purpose units. And a lot of times I think, you know what I want right now? Can I just like click the build hydras button or something? I mean, that's my intention. My intention is that I want hydras from all of my bases for, you know, a minute or something. And I want, obviously I want to inject larva in all of them. Why isn't that automatic? All this stuff, it takes so many clicks to do these basic things that just are expressing my intention that that's frustrating mm -hmm. here's another great example is it's totally simple like i build some zerglings and some roaches they can shoot and the zerglings are melee units and the zerglings can run fast so now i have both of them i select all of them i click on the opponent's base and attack now do you think my intention is to have the zerglings run single file ahead of the roaches arrive there one by one and get killed one by one uselessly and do nothing and then once all of them are dead later have the roaches arrive like <laughs> no that is totally ridiculous <laughs> that's not my intention so do we care about my intention or not we seem to care about it when we were making auto mine and we cared about it with you know selecting as many guys in a group and what were all the other things multiple building selection we cared mm -hmm. about it there but smart we don't cast, care about yeah. it smart cast but now when it comes to the most basic thing of just like select a bunch of guys and attack, they attack in like the stupidest way. Mm -hmm. Why do the Zerglings run in a long single file line? I don't ever want that. Can't they just run in a group? Shouldn't they run slower if they're with the roaches so they all get there at the same time? This was solved in like 1997 in Age of Empires. Yeah, and mm -hmm. you're describing things that Blizzard has already done in Warcraft 3 also. <laughs> Actually, I forget. In Warcraft 3, do they, they won't run formation slower, on and formation off. You can either have them move at their own move speed or they pick the slowest move speed in the group and they oh, so form you, you, like you, a circular ball and they move together where like the footman will yeah. go to the front and then the Archmage will chill in the back in the center. Like they'll actually form up oh, yeah, smartly. I, Based on I, forget, I totally forgot that. Okay, yeah. well, yeah, that's... Yeah. Use that's that all the course. time when you use the Kodo Beast things. Yes. So that's, of course, what I want. I want them to move and together. And Warcraft 3. And I want them to move in formation. So mm -hmm. they don't do that. It just means in order to achieve about my, it didn't. my intent... Well, yeah, but I mean, from my player's point of view, in order for me to achieve what I'm intending to do, 
I can still kind of do it. It's just all these clicks, like a lot of clicks to keep them all together and, you know, not have one run in front of the other and try to like manually make a formation. So you could argue like, well, yeah, that's part of the attention splitting thing. And we want that to be a lot of clicks, but it's the same problem, only way worse, really, as the other thing about like, if you can only select 12 units, it feels broken. It just feels like archaic and old and like some software limitation or something like it Mm -hmm. just, that's what it feels like that they just didn't think about formations or that they're an ancient game and newer games like Warcraft three, you know, (laughs) innovated innovated past them. Mm -hmm. That's frustrating. Now the, another category of thing was the stuff that I am not, I wasn't really calling it a click tax. It's more like you're just able to do these great things if you micro well. And those things I should be a lot more favorable to, but I found that I, I don't really like those either. And so I was trying to think of like, you know, why is that? And I want to see if I can explain it to you guys if you, if you know what I'm getting at. So there's a, even a couple sub parts of this one. One example is lurkers. They can go underground and they shoot like a line of spines and they're really good at killing a lot of Marines. And if you're really good, like you're the Marines, let's say, so the spines are coming at you, but they haven't gotten to you yet. And it's really quick, but you can step out of the way and the spines won't realign. So now you made them miss. Mm -hmm. And now the spines will have to retract and then go out again. So you've got like, you know, a second or something where you're safe. So you can like shoot with your Marines and then move out of the way at exactly the right moment. And you, you can actually kill lurkers without taking any damage at all. But it's extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. So is that good or bad? So according to like the posts I see from Blizzard and the videos I see from Blizzard, that's an example of something they want and that they think is great and that it's a high skill ceiling and it helps there be a pro scene. But I'm just not sure because here's what it reminds me of. In Guilty Gear, the character Johnny, I forget, <laughs> yeah. Leontis, have you played Guilty Gear? Are you into that? I am not that savvy with Guilty Gear, no. Okay, well, he's here, a pirate guy, but I don't know what he does. Is he a pirate? He's, he wears black and yeah, he's got he, a big he, hat. Well, yeah, he's, lore-wise, he's, he's a pirate. And oh, I didn't even know yeah, that. I just He's yeah. like a cool guy, but anyway. He's a cool pirate. I, I'm going to tell you this mechanic, and you're just going to immediately get the implication, I think. So you can do like any move, like any of your normals, which are pretty big and you know hit far away. You can cancel into this stance called Mist Stance, okay? So you can do anything into mist stance. Also, you can cancel mist stance back to neutral instantly. So okay. now, mm-hmm. what's the what's the implication? Because I haven't played it. Let me tell you what I think from that. From just hearing that, mm-hmm. it's every time you connect with anything or like you throw out something that could potentially be unsafe, you should always one hundred percent of the time cancel into mist stance, cancel back to neutral. <laughs> There's no reason never to not. Do that. Yeah, you can always just you can just decide to not have recovery in your moves. You can either have recovery or you can do some, you know, joystick stuff and not have recovery. So before you even start playing Johnny, just when you're just contemplating, like, which character should I pick? You know where the road is going to end with Johnny. (laughs) It's it's going to end at you constantly going into the stance and canceling it just all the time, just a million times around. And yeah, that shows skill. That's a higher skill ceiling, but it's just a really annoying thing to end up having to do. That's the double-edged sword right there is the difference between can do it and have to do it. So you could say Johnny's so great because you can do this, but that's kind of disingenuous. It's more like you have to do it. You have to do that. (laughs) You have to do that. For people who play Street Fighter 4 or 
I guess Street Fighter 3 is a good one too, but Makoto can do her dash punch and cancel. That's super important to know. Like you have to learn that. For those who might not play Guilty Gear, that's a comparison as well. Does that eliminate her recovery in the same way? Yes, yes, it does. It totally eliminates her recovery in a very similar way. Also lets her do combos. I mean, you know how it works. <laughs> yeah. So back to the Marines thing, it's like, yeah, you can show a lot of skill in dancing around lurkers, but it's sort of annoying that I would have to do that. That's maybe one of the better examples in that it might be fun to do that. Like, like maybe it's a, one of the worst examples from for making my point, but it still feels relevant. But here's another mm-hmm. one I think makes the point more strongly. In StarCraft II, they changed Immortals, and they used to just have amazing armor, and now they kind of don't. But they have an ability that you have to actually activate called Hardened Shields, and then <laughs> yeah. you get amazing armor for a limited amount of time. And the stated example in Blizzard's video about this move is that, like, let's say you had four Immortals, Okay, so you might forget to click the thing and then you're just totally screwed, (laughs) which feels really bad flavor wise to me. I don't know. The Immortals just should inherently have armor anyway. Okay, so you could do that, but that would be bad. But what would be really good is if you sent four of them in, but you put two of them like ahead of the others and then you activate hardened shields so that the enemies will be really hitting just the two that are super armored and then you let a couple seconds pass and then you move those two back and you move the other two forward and you activate hardened shields on those. So you've danced them back and forth mm-hmm. so that the ones being attacked are always the shielded ones. And then if you did that, you'd actually come out ahead of the older version of the game where they were always pretty shielded. The old game is like they're always medium shielded. And then the new game, if you do a lot of micro, is like only your mega shielded ones are getting hit at any given moment. So that's true. But man, is that annoying to do? Like, think about all the, think about actually (laughs) inputting to make that happen. To be fair. Go ahead. Go ahead. I think Barrier is autocast in Legacy of the Void. That ability you're talking about. I actually played. It is. Mostly Zerg. Well, the Blizzard video, the video is explaining that you should manually do it though. You should manually do it because what happens is like when they get attacked, it casts the ability automatically and the ability itself has like a cooldown and stuff. So you're still correct that it's better for the player in terms of the ability itself to wait for the opportune moment to cast barrier. Like you wouldn't want a Marine to just shoot it once and then put barrier on cooldown. And then now the immortal doesn't have his ability, right? <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. Cause that's what happens. That's what right. will happen if you are, if you're auto casting it. So, uh, right, right. Uh, yeah, that's so that's another thing they mentioned correct, is like that some abilities could be on autocast so that most people can use them, but then pros would not autocast yeah, them. So, so it's yeah. possible that this barrier kind of toes the line there, but I think you're still correct in saying that, well, you want it to work when you want it to work. And if there's this weird like AI manipulation thing that a player can like test your guys for autocast, <laughs> you know, by like just firing a tiny little shot at it, putting their Mm -hmm. ability on cooldown, and then, okay, now I'm going to send in things that hit them hard and they just explode. Oh, another example of the click text thing is I think that the new Swarm Host falls in that category. Swarm Host is a very controversial unit. It was added in Heart of the Swarm. It's probably the best flavorful unit they've ever made and that the Zerg can make this thing that just spawns infinite free units so it feels like you're being overrun. So they had a lot of trouble making that fair. And <laughs> the real difficulty in balancing that is that so people complained about the swarm host a lot and Blizzard's response was it's actually a lot more fair than you guys realize. And that like if you look at a large number of games, 
most of the games involving the swarm host, nothing bad really happens. It's like it just works as it's intended, you know, it has an upside and a downside and whatever. But then in the small percentage of games, it causes terrible dynamics where the games drag on ridiculously long and it happened in some like big pro match. It was mm. like a big embarrassment. <laughs> so people like disproportionately hated it because of in a few games it's bad. And so Blizzard is like it being bad in a few games. It doesn't matter that that 90% of the time it's okay. We can't have 10% of the games like being super long. So we got to do something. So what they did is they made it so the units that get spawned are even stronger than they used to be, but the cooldown is longer. So that makes a lot of sense because like if you wanted to only have swarm hosts, which is what we used to be able to do, you make them all, they send this wave of free guys. And now because the cooldown is longer, the opponent can counterattack you and you, you just can't keep it up. You just like lose all your swarm hosts. Mm -hmm. So you have to have like a more balanced army and you've got to use it to harass or to push or as a siege thing now, which kind of makes sense. You know, I, I get why they did that, but it's really sad that it doesn't auto cast anymore. You must manually click the cooldown is 60 seconds, although they last 12 seconds. So every 48 seconds, you have to manually click on all of your swarm hosts. But why is that? That's like, is my intention as a player to just have them sit around and do nothing after I built a bunch of them? No, it's never, that's never my intention. That's equally my intention to not build workers at the beginning of the game or something. So it's very, All right. we're back in this schizophrenic, like, what's the point of what here? Like, why do I have to click on all of those guys every 48 yeah, seconds? It's, it sounds like Reavers having to rebuild their ammo and carriers building new interceptors when the interceptors die. And, you know, if you had to like manually reload the siege tank every time it fired, it would just be horrible. And nothing else does that. Every yeah. Marine needs to reload after 30 rounds. So that would be insanity. I don't think anyone. Well, I don't know. I guess some people would play that. The bottom line is what I wish is that all the things that are click taxes, meaning things I obviously want to do that don't involve decisions. I wish they were automated. And the things that aren't like that, that allow people to show skill in micro or whatever, I theoretically like them. I guess, but even those seem to have just crappy interfaces to do. I don't know exactly how to solve that, but I feel like that those things should be just more fun and less whatever. I don't know, less whatever they are now. <laughs> Tax. They're, they're Ment taxing, mentally yeah. taxing yeah. in a yeah. game that's already the most mentally taxing thing you've ever done. They're they're chores. They're chores within this thing chores that you really want to do. Another example of player intention. Player intention is like in conflict with this idea of splitting attention on purpose. Okay, mm -hmm. so I build a bunch of guys, send them to attack. Now, I need to kind of look at them. Like, even if I don't expertly micro them, we talked earlier about how you, you want to at least minimally micro them. I mean, you want to just have them yeah. not stand in the size storms and that sort of thing. So let's say I'm doing that. And that's kind of fun because like there's this battle happening and I'm seeing it and I'm affecting it. But really what I need to do is the macro stuff. You know, I can't just like micro that and then have no guys. The real power mm -hmm. is in coming out of that with a whole new fresh set of guys ready to attack. And another thing that was covered in that class is a lot of times like microing and getting ahead a few guys that would have died, but they didn't, isn't really as good as making sure that your whole production line is pumping out a whole new set of guys. Anyway, I do my battle. I micro it a little bit. Is my player intention that my money is piling up and I didn't build anything? Like, no, it's never what I want. But that's the default. So the default of like not producing guys is never what I want. And in all these other cases, we've 
like auto mine, we've sort of fixed to, to make the default the thing that I do want. And so why can't we have the default here be like a button I can click to just build hydras for a while until I tell you auto not to. Build. Just yeah. like you can chrono boost until I tell you not to. So we're caught in this middle of like, wait, should everything be like chrono boost or should everything be like inject larva swarm host. Yeah, right. <laughs> and swarm hosts. And if you answer the second one, then you're all about the skill ceiling thing. But isn't that a bit of an illusion? Because like if we really did make everything automatic and whatever, and it was easier to play, it would just put more focus on the actual strategy part. And if the mm. strategy part is solid, which I argue that it is, we'll have pros who are way a better than others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you will have a good game still. So the reason I, w I wanted to even have this conversation is like, I feel like if I had made this exact argument when StarCraft II was in development, just most people just disagree with us and say, no, it's got to be like this bad interface because that's what makes the game good. But now here's what happened. A bunch of UI things were fixed and it's laughable to think of them not being fixed. And even bigger than that is the world moved on. Okay, StarCraft did very well and that it sold 1 million copies in the first 24 hours. So that's incredible compared to, you know, what we can sell. But it feels like it should have done more. And I was reading all over the internet the same people echoing that of like, okay, a new StarCraft came out. Does anyone care? And why don't people care anymore? It's all about MOBAs. Mm -hmm. Even Blizzard has a MOBA. <laughs> yeah, even Blizzard has a MOBA. I saw one post that I thought really summed it up. This guy says... So StarCraft is like, it's a pure RTS and there aren't really pure RTSs anymore. So this is like the last big budget pure RTS and it didn't blow up the esports scene like we maybe hoped. But maybe being a pure RTS is the problem. And that his analogy was think about pure adventure games. So adventure games were a big thing like Secret of Monkey Island, that type of thing. Uh, I liked them. And then they were not really a thing anymore. It, the reason they weren't a thing is because it's like if you looked at the things they did right, other genres sort of stole it. Like, OK, they, they cared about story. Well, now other genres care about story and they had conversation trees. Now other genres have conversation trees. So if you were to be a pure adventure game, you would care about the story. You would have the good conversation trees. But what would you have to have for people to categorize you as pure adventure games? And the answer is you'd have to still have a bunch of clunky puzzles with weird moon logic. <laughs> so you'd basically yeah. be tied to this thing that like wasn't really that great to begin with, just so you can be called that. So that's why adventure games aren't a thing anymore. And this forum poster was saying it's kind of the same for RTS. Like there's a lot of things that RTS has that other genres took. It's certainly not the only strategy genre and strategy is not even the most important thing, unfortunately, in the RTS genre. Back in that StarCraft class, one of the pro players that was there explained to us that when scouts, like talent scouts recruiting for professional StarCraft teams or looking for talent, that they always choose talent based on APM, not on strategy. APM meaning how actions per minute, how many times can you click per minute? Yeah. The reason it stated then was that they could teach the strategy, but they can't really teach APM. They can't Mechanical, teach you to play yeah. right. that fast. So you could say that's because there's not much strategy, but I don't think so. I think there's a lot of strategy. It's just yeah. that there's also a whole lot of extremely difficult APM tests. If you want to be pure RTS, you've got to have that in the same way you've got to have clunky puzzles 
<laughs> to be a pure adventure <laughs> yeah. game. Yeah. So this poster was saying this is the, I'll, I'll let you guys comment after this, but his final point is like, if you want to make an RTS, you're making something where you have strategy in it, but so do other genres and maybe they're doing a better job at it. Maybe they're placing strategy even as a higher priority than you now. It's in real time, just like a million other genres. <laughs> oh, economy is a big thing. Another way of thinking of economy is having a power curve, like being weak and then being really strong. And MOBAs have that. In MOBAs, you have a power curve. So it's like they kind of took that too. So what's left? Building your base and build order. <laughs> it's like, that's not great stuff. So it's funny though, you talk about how like the talent scouts, they look for people with APM. It's interesting because it's like similar how a talent scout would look for a basketball player. Hmm. Maybe a guy has really good basketball IQ, as they call it, someone who just understands the game really well. But if you're like five foot 11, you know, good luck with that. But if you're like kind of not great basketball IQ, but you're like a seven foot tall, super athletic guy, you have a much better chance of getting scouted out for, you know, like a big college opportunity and stuff like that. And that's kind of like mm -hmm. how it sounds like how what Starcraft is doing. It's like, oh, you really understand the strategy, but we need a guy who's really good at clicking. That's what we need, right? Yeah, because that's the thing that Starcraft tests. Um, about the build orders, you know, that forum poster was saying that's one of the things that's left in pure RTS. I read another post that was saying, here's what a build order really is. So there's like a character selection screen analogous to Street Fighter or something where you pick Protoss or Zerg. And then the game starts. And then after the game starts, there's kind of like secretly more character select. <laughs> because, <laughs> mm -hmm. because playing like Zergling plus Mutalisk as a build order, it's sort of like a character in a way. Like there's a lot of nuance to that build order. And you could specialize in that as, say, Idra does, the pro player. But that's not the only one. There's a whole bunch of different ways you can go. You can be heavy on roaches or you could care a lot about the part where the roaches tunnel underground. Or you could not use that at all. There's just a lot of things you can do within Zerg. You can specialize in one or the other. So here's the point the poster is making, is that each of these build orders is sort of like a character, except there isn't just a button to click to get the character. Instead, in order to play the character, you must practice a whole lot by yourself, like against just solo. Solitaire, yeah. To make the build order come together in just the right order so that you can get enough Zergling so that the first Mutalisk pops out as soon as possible. And it, it's actually a huge hassle where <laughs> really you wish you could just click like, you know, Zergling Mutalisk, like that's kind of what I want. And, you know, he was, he was trying to imagine other genres where... <laughs> Where like in order to play a sub character or something, you had to do mm -hmm. all this stuff to even like really select them correctly. <laughs> Sounds bad. If you want to use Ryu with fireballs, you have to solve this puzzle, this complicated puzzle. I mean, yeah, but then so once you solve it, you kind of know what to do. So now you're just doing a chore. <laughs> like yeah. just to play the character you wanted to play in the first place. Right, right. So that's, a, that's a funny argument because yeah. like I like that. But why do you like that argument? What were you picking up oh, on? Oh, I, I like I like your argument about how each race contains a bunch of characters within it. And then the argument that if you took away the journey, like the build order that got you to be able to play that character, you know, Mutalisk and Zergling, mm -hmm. everyone would argue that removing that journey makes StarCraft terrible. But then <laughs> you have to wonder yeah. why. Mm -hmm. But then you have to wonder why. Like... So it's funny that we have this internal dilemma that, yes, StarCraft is a good game. Yes, it's deep. Yes, if we removed all these execution things, it would probably still be a good game. But you have everyone in the world arguing against what we're saying. <laughs> saying that removing all those things is, that's what StarCraft is, though. 
is what people would say. Like you said, build orders is the RTS genre. Clicking mm-hmm. really fast and diverting your attention is the RTS genre. And if we made all those things easier, the game would fall apart. Got to hold on to that tradition, man. Yeah. I've got some response to that. So I've laid out a number of concerns I had with the, you know, the UI of the game where it's not, it's not really doing what I want to do. And I think if you look at like the, the average player, they aren't vocalizing these concerns. Blizzard headquarters figuring out what to do. Probably they're not saying, you know, why, why does it when you select a bunch of Zerglings and roaches that they all walk single file? You know, because we're getting just tens of thousands of complaints about that. <laughs> Pro- <laughs> right. Probably yeah. no, probably no one's complaining about that. Yeah. yeah. OK, but here's my real point there is that it's not that that's good that it works the way it does. It's just that instead of complaining about it, people moved on. They just don't even bother. Yeah. Yeah. They play mm-hmm. League mm-hmm. of Legends instead. That's what they do. Yeah. All right. So if you play a MOBA, you can just pick your character. Well, sort of, if it doesn't get banned, but you can kind of pick your character. <laughs> There's a big mess um, there. There's a big mess there. <laughs> that's a whole nother thing. We, but I mean, you don't have to. Discussion. It's just, okay, MOBAs are also super hard to play, but in a different way. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know how to make my point here, but I'm saying there, there's just a bunch of crap in StarCraft you've got to deal with that you just, you don't really have right. to do that in a MOBA because you just have your guy and like your okay, power curve is not making you build workers every couple seconds or whatever and not having you inject larva. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it says a lot about games like StarCraft where the race that I like to play is the one where I can handle all of the garbage that I have to do to actually play the race at a proficient mm-hmm. level. What race is that? Protoss. It just feels easier. It just feels like I can actually, like I have bigger units that consume more of my resources that it just makes it easier for me to handle the macro. Yeah. I love Terran. I love Zerg, but there's less chore for me to play Protoss. So I would argue that I like them better. But all that really says is that I'm just accepting problems as like design and then just saying, oh, but I like this race. Sure. I've heard the same thing you're saying there multiple times now in response to the Fantasy Strike fighting game we're making, where people have independently told me, usually when they play a fighting game, they feel like there's a certain type of character they want. Like, I want a rushdown character or I want a grappler or whatever. But when they kind of reflect on that, they realize, oh, it's really more that that type of character is the one I can actually play. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like oh, I'm yeah. just yeah. not able to control those other types of characters well. And then in Fantasy Strike, in our current build that people can play on Patreon right now, there's four characters, kind of four different archetypes, and anyone can play all of them. So a few people have told me, like, it's this weird crisis they have where they're like, wow, like... <laughs> Who is my main? I don't just have to pick, you know, the zoner or something. Like, mm-hmm. I can yeah. I can control the grappler just as well. It's, like, shocking almost because you're just not used to that. It's off-putting. Yeah, so I mean, imagine a new StarCraft or something where you could easily control all the races. You're like, I don't even know what to do now. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have to make decisions before. I just picked the thing that seemed like it sucked the least. Mm-hmm. It's like you're accepting a certain degree of suck in like RTS design, and then you're forming your playstyle around mitigating that suck. And when you try to tell people that, hey, if we removed all the things that sucked, would there still be a good game? And then they still say no. Yeah, so you get lost. What do you like, think about my point here that... that, that we're saying, you know, what if this game got to the heart of it, of the strategy and like was just had way better UI in every way. The people who kind of would have wished for that just decided to play games where it's less of a problem in the first place. And so that I think that's why StarCraft is being passed by. 
Mm-hmm. You know, they've already moved on. Yeah. And so it is valid to make some kind of new game that caters to these people. And MOBAs show that you can do it. If there was no MOBAs at all, there's no Dota and so on. And someone said, hey, here's this idea for a Dota thing. And like you only control one guy. I mean, StarCraft players and maybe Blizzard itself would say like, no, that's stupid. It's dumbs everything down. <laughs> yeah. But there's like a lot to MOBAs also. Like they're not exactly dumbed down. If anything, there's right. way too much to them, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah. there's but there's a lot less of the hassle yeah. of the kind we're used to in RTS. Yeah. So my point is, if you it's, made it's less feel bad. So MOBA is like a new genre that took a lot of the things that some of the things from RTS and then didn't take other things. And I think it did it in a weird way. Like if no one had ever seen any MOBA and you said, OK, distill an RTS, keep some of its elements and make a new genre. I think there's a really small chance that you'd come up with MOBAs, right? Like right. this yeah. kind of crazy thing of history that it ended up that way. And that if we did it or if someone else did it, you could come up with a completely different, looks nothing like MOBAs, but also yeah. takes great things from RTS. Is it, is it like, I mean, wasn't the original Dota the Warcraft 3 mod, right? Yes, and that's, that's right. All, it's custom I map. mean, it was like basically, hey, like Warcraft is really cool, but... I just really want to play as the the hero and not deal with this all this stuff. Can I just do that? Oh, here's Dota, right? Right, right. Yeah, so there's a long evolution that led up to it. Lots of other types of custom games came out. Started with like hero arenas, then it turned to like Aeon of Strife, and like I was there mm-hmm. for that whole scene developing, and I played Dota like in the early early days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess what I'm getting at there is like evolution is a great word. I mean, evolution has given us elephants, and it's given us birds, and birds and <laughs> elephants are really different from each other, <laughs> right? right? And so, and so it's like it's like one line of evolution gave us. MOBAs, but another line of evolution could give us something completely different. It looks nothing like them that still takes mm. from the roots of RTS the good stuff. And I think that that just it could happen, but it's not really out there. Like there's maybe are, another are you, genre to be discovered. Mm-hmm. Are, you, are you suggesting that if Dota never happened and we were all, you know, 15 years ago playing like Warcraft 3 and being like, man, this is good, but there's something else that I want to do. And if another <laughs> thing had existed, other than Dota, that was a different thing. Do you think that genre would have been the one to take off? Like, is, is this the thing that the RTS community has like lost itself and then found itself in the new thing, no matter what that new thing was? And in this case, it's League of Legends, Dota, Here's the Storm. I mean, maybe. I don't know. There's certainly something to what I forget which of you said, like, uh, you know, I played Warcraft 3 and I just want to play a hero. Can't we make a whole game out of that? But even yeah. that, there's like... There's a lot of ways to do that. It wouldn't, so many games you can make from that. Certainly <laughs> wouldn't be obvious that if you've had that starting point, that the next step is also there should be three lanes and like infinite creeps <laughs> yeah, killing each yeah. other all the time. It's like way out there to have come up with that. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, that's you're asking me to speculate quite a bit, but maybe it could have unfolded differently if some other take. And it would be just as big. Well, maybe. I mean... What if it was only we're, half we're as big? About, if it was only half as big, it the, would still be way bigger than any RTS. Right? Yeah, because this is about the disenfranchisement of RTS players, that they're not playing StarCraft 2. What are they playing? Well, mm-hmm. they're playing MOBAs. Uh, well, I've pretty much said what I wanted to say, and I hope people come away without thinking that we were haters of StarCraft or something, because it's like I've, I've always wanted it to do well. You know, I've always kind of liked a lot of things about it. I really like that it's fair. It's a fair competitive game, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's extremely well balanced. 
No, but I don't mean balance. I mean it's competitively fair, and that like you know you don't have a material advantage if you pay more. Yeah, even play. Oh, the well, yeah, that too. Yeah. That's, yeah, like can you can you imagine if StarCraft Two had said like, okay, you start out <laughs> oh, with boy. like crappy units, and then you can get rare units that are good, and if there's some rare units you don't have, that's fine because you could just melt down some other units you have and like make rares. Make the other rares, <laughs> and then you, you know you played people that had stronger units than you. It would be a fiasco. No, 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 no. The people who win the most are the ones with the most skill. You're getting that completely wrong. So that's what Hearthstone is, and <laughs> it's. Let me check my skill in my wallet here. Let me see if I have enough skill yeah. in my wallet. <laughs> it's that much more disappointing that Hearthstone was made by the maker of StarCraft, because mm-hmm. you think the maker of StarCraft is like should be shining paragon of fairness in competitive games would yeah. would not that, do that. It, but yeah. but then someone is like, hey, we need to make a bunch of money. How do well, we make yeah. a bunch of bunch of money? Sure. It's a sad statement that it could make a bunch of money. You know, you yeah, would right. hope people would like, I mean, if they did it in Starcraft, it would just be laughable. I think everyone oh, yeah, actually yeah, yeah, would yeah. hate it. Mm-hmm. But somehow it's OK in a card game. I mean, Newsflash, it isn't OK. It's just as bad. Right. But I don't know why people accept it. So I'm rooting for StarCraft. That's what I'm saying. I mm-hmm. wish I would love to be blown away by StarCraft 3, but I don't think they're going to even bother I just think right now they're trying to cater to a lot of different audiences with all their different games. And that's why some of them have these values that you just like shake your head at, like Hearthstone, but Mm -hmm. not for the audience that it's targeting for some reason. That seems to be okay. So you look at StarCraft, StarCraft could have Mm -hmm. stayed this really, really execution heavy, like must have 300 APM to compete, do all those things. They could have just done that and then kept those players happy with that genre. But then now they made Heroes of the Storm. So they have a MOBA game that has the pay model where it's free to play, but they're going to constantly release new heroes and then you have to like grind for you know gold or pay real money to access those characters. That's cool. Then they decide they're going to make Overwatch and they just recently made a statement saying, you know what? Overwatch is going to be a fixed rate game where you pay X amount of dollars for the yeah, game and that. you get access to all the characters. I think. 60, it's 40 right? for PC and then 60 for some skins. It's not really important. But they or 60 said on straight console, up, though. it's six. It's not forty oh, okay. on console. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, go ahead. So they said, we feel like to make Overwatch a more competitive game, you have to have access to all the characters. <laughs> so we're going to leave them in and let you just pay a flat amount for everything because yeah. we think that's the best way to make this game. Like, but you have Heroes of the Storm, and you're not doing that. Well, and Hearthstone, so which is even worse than that, right? And it's, like, so it's like a spectrum of way different beliefs about competition there. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like they have different audiences they're trying to cater to, but then you're right that StarCraft is in this peculiar situation because they want it to be as hardcore as it ever was, but they still want people to actually enjoy playing it at a casual level and all that. They can't just, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think that there's a really big market now because like, like we're saying that the RTS market is slowly kind of fading out to you know turn around and make like a warcraft 4 or a starcraft 3 that is a you know easily accessible rts you know that's still even play filled but it just removes you know let's have everything be like chrono boost and well, like I wonder if, there, if there's ever going to be a day where they reach the thing i'm saying about if you can do a thing really it means you must and that's bad so if you can do all this micro stuff you can frame that as it's good because it's high skill ceiling, but then that existing is also crappy to casual players. That's very much in mind as we're making the Fantasy Strike fighting game. Is every little thing where you could have to do a bunch of annoying inputs, we eliminate it. We don't celebrate it. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, I I'll give you one. Well, wait, let me just give you one quick example. Is when you jump and then press the button in the air to do an air move. So if you jump and then quickly press the button, of course, you'll do the air move earlier than if you, you do it later. So a lot of the times you want to jump and then do the air move as soon as you possibly can. Like jump attack, jump attack. And then we ran into this problem where it's like you're trying to do it so fast that you like fuck up the inputs or you get the wrong thing. And so the first solution was, well, when you press jump, just in general, it takes a few frames to get off the ground, like three or four frames. We call it pre-jump. So if you press jump and then attack within that time, we were giving you the ground move before because you were still on the ground. But really, you probably want the air move. I mean, you press jump. So let's make it so that pre-jump frames will actually give you air moves. So that made it more lenient. But then when we actually play the game, we realize, okay, yeah, it does. But you're still having to press one button and then the other so fast that if you're playing on a pad, like a PlayStation 4 pad, and you're using your thumb to press the buttons, it's like physically pretty hard. And like, so we're saying here's this easy game, but you can press the buttons so fast that you have to to be good. Yeah. So that's like fucked up. So Blizzard might say, oh, you can press them really fast, high skill ceiling. But we're saying you can press them really fast. That's dumb. That means the real game is pressing it so fast that you can't even play on a PlayStation 4 controller. So we address that in the newer version of the game. The minimum height of all air moves is higher. So the, the fastest the game will even let you do the air move is such that an average person doing jump and attack did it at about the right speed. You don't have to do it like yeah. two frames later or something. And the height was consistent. And there's like the frame buffer that ensures that it comes out. You know, yeah. that's the thing too, is Big like frame well, buffer do I press too. the button. Do I press the button right when I get to that height? Is there like a little bit of a frame dance right there too? No, not in, not in this game. Yeah. So, so that's, that's, that's very that's not good. what Blizzard is doing, but, it, but is yeah. that ever going to be a thing? Cause like, cause there's this quote, uh, like the long arc of history bends towards justice. So as time goes on, like we realize, okay, slavery is bad and okay, gay people should be able to marry. Mm-hmm. And you know, it just, it just becomes more and more obvious that we can't put up with this shit anymore. Mm-hmm. So is the yeah. long arc of Starcraft realizing that like bad UI is bad and that things that you can do, you're forced to do, or will it never really get there? Like, I, I don't know. I think it only gets there if someone keeps making RTSs. <laughs> yeah, which maybe no one will. So yeah. it's all good. Right. right, yeah. They'll I just mean, make, here, you know, MOBAs version two. Yeah. You know, it's a totally missed opportunity by Blizzard because I believe people really want to play RTSs at a higher level. Like, I think people would watch like a professional StarCraft match and be like, I would love to play in one of those tournaments. That'd be great. I, I would love to, like, strive to that. But then they try to actually play at a high level. And I think they just hit the wall. Yeah. Maybe. And it's like, well, play, you got to click hundreds of times just to do the most basic thing. Like, okay, yeah. I want to build some workers. Obviously I want to inject some larva. <laughs> yeah. I want to make some hydras and it's right. I think, yeah, I, I think wall. it used to be okay, but we've just, we've gone, it's been so many years <laughs> yeah. and there's so many games. There's so many other things yeah. you can play that people are like, you know what? Fuck this. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Like back in the day in StarCraft 1, there was really only StarCraft. No one else played much of anything else, like Counter-Strike or something, right now, you know, or Red Alert. But like because of MOBAs, you can play other things that resemble StarCraft. It's a total missed opportunity. They could have made a really more accessible game and really got a lot more people. And maybe they would have lost some pros. Maybe that's true. Who cares if you gain like a million more players after losing 100 pros? Yeah, I mean, it could be they're just so stuck with what the StarCraft's history and legacy 
legacy of the void yeah so to speak (laughs) (laughs) right so maybe it's on someone else someone new to come along and and do this Yeah, like blizzard has to make starcraft the way starcraft was and always was and therefore they're you know they're shackled to these these concepts no though funny enough i think if anyone would have been able to do it would have been blizzard because they're blizzard they're gigantic super popular company yeah they would have gotten away with it i really think so like again yeah, some pros would have left and be like, I'm just going to play StarCraft 1 forever. But you would have gained like a million other players. You would have gotten more star players who yeah, are you new. You had a pro scene. You know, Maybe they new should people have, would have happened. They, should, they could make a new game called Star Strat and then it's okay because it's right. a different game now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's right, like right. A, a spin-off of StarCraft. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm, like you yeah. took all the micro or took all the macro out and you just micro and that's, mm-hmm. that's cool, right? Yeah, yeah. I have like a really strong Warcraft 3 background. And the reason why I enjoyed that game, like I played StarCraft like everyone else did, but I had the same issues that everyone had with execution and macro and stuff. And I was just pretty much bad at it. Like I wanted to micro my units all the time. I never wanted to build things. I just wanted to fight with my guys. That's why I played the game and I was terrible. But I'm not, and I never complained about it. I was like, oh yeah, I'm just bad and I'm always going to be bad because this is what Mm -hmm. I like. Right. So then Warcraft Warcraft 3 rolls around and it becomes this game where you spend 90% of your game looking at your army, moving your army, killing creeps, fighting the opponent, actively harassing them. And then when you go back to your base, like two units takes up all of your gold. And I was like, this is fantastic. This is the greatest (laughs) thing that I've ever seen. I want to just keep playing this forever. Mm -hmm. Frozen Throne, the first expansion to Warcraft 3 came out and made the game much more macro heavy. Like it took longer to go from tech one to tech two. It made the tier one units cheaper. It raised like the army size and all these things that made the game more like macro intensive. And then I immediately was turned off by it. So Starcraft 2 came out. I was like, oh yeah, you know, let me give this another shot. Same issues. I still just don't really enjoy macro, even though I do like RTS. So in my like, you know, perfect universe, I would just say, hey, let's have StarCraft be that thing that everyone thinks it should be and give it all these insane execution barriers and let's keep Inject Larva <laughs> on a 10-second cooldown and let's have a, you know, just yeah. make it as yeah. insane as it has to be. Yeah. Make that game yeah, if you be miss 500 Inject APM. Larva, you, you can't stack it anymore, right? Cause that's, right? Yeah, exactly. You just miss it. You just miss it. You're 30% behind because you waited three seconds. That's think, what you want, right? I, I think we should go farther. I think every single <laughs> unit in the game, including the most basic ones, should have an ability you have to activate. You have to literally click. Or what if you had to do a dragon punch motion to make the Zergling? Right. Yeah. 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 You guys ever play Quop? Let's like make that movement <laughs> for every <laughs> character and every unit. Yeah, so let's do go. that for StarCraft. Right. And yeah. then we'll have Raises Warcraft. The skill ceiling. Yeah. Skill ceiling. And the skill floor. Whenever you need to teleport a zealot, you have to play this mini game where you have to make sure you're at the right temperature. You know, it's like this meter that goes up and down oh, yeah. and got to balance well, so it. Like <laughs> kicking a field goal in Madden. Yeah. So what's Warcraft like in that world where StarCraft is War- super Warcraft, hard? Warcraft is a game where the skill floor is very, very low. And maybe the skill ceiling is a little bit much lower than what StarCraft is capable of. But it's the game for, you know, fans of RTS that can still enjoy the game for all the micro-y things and controlling a fantasy army of units and, you know, has just the complete opposite in terms of design. Because as we've seen if with Overwatch and Heroes of the Storm, Blizzard is able to have wildly polar, like, views on what is okay to have in a competitive game. So <laughs> yeah. that's just my opinion. Like, I would play a Warcraft 4 that was, you know, little to no macro whatsoever. And that's why I kind of, you know, graduated automated towards automated macro, right? Like automated macro, yeah. yeah. I mean, and that's what Dota is, right? It's like you have units that spawn and build and send towards the bad guy, and then you control one unit. 
So it's, I see it as like kind of a natural evolution of RTS, honestly. And then it shifted the economy onto, in terms of Dota and League of Legends, because like Heroes of Storm doesn't have uh, gold or items or anything. But it shifted mm-hmm. economy from like farming by building units and making sure you have enough workers to this other fiddly execution thing that we think is bad, which is last hitting. Yeah. <laughs> but, you, uh, know, you know, Warcraft, like the Warcraft franchise might be like, may, may, maybe, the way you maybe Starcraft is like, totally beyond saving or something they just they just yes. can't get around it but that's what like, i'm saying yes but like it maybe the warcraft franchise that's the one where you can make your easy rts because it's you know well it's yes. not starcraft it's warcraft yeah world of warcraft is easy hearthstone is easy here's the storm is easy and that's all i got warcraft guys so right. let's just keep this warcraft you know train rolling and <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's not even call it an rts because they don't even call here's the storm a moba they call it a hero brawler yeah, right, they, right. They, they don't want yeah. it to be the same yeah. nomenclature as the other guys because they're trying to differentiate themselves so much. Right, right. So let's let StarCraft be their in-house RTS, which has all the, you know, adventure game analogs mm-hmm. of Moon Logic mm-hmm. and whatnot. Well, I wish but, I had a team to make this game. You know, we could make a Fantasy Strike version that's like Warcraft 3, I'm like down. you're saying. I'll, I'll, yeah. learn, I'll learn how to do all these things. And- but then uh, yeah, we're, it's hard enough to have us make our simplified command fighting game. People should go to Patreon and support us and help us do that. Someday we can make, make the, a, the Fantasy game Strike too. text adventure RTS thing that the world has never seen. <laughs> right, yeah. If we raise a million dollars on Patreon, yeah. we'll make this, this thing. <laughs> you have three guys and 42 gold. What do you do? I like to know. I, I have no authority over Patreon. I'm just, just joking around. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, let's wrap it up. We've covered every conceivable thing about starcraft (laughs) that we know (laughs) so thank you for coming on the show and listening to all my complaints definitely (laughs) all right well thank you for having me (laughs) all right thanks thanks. all right take care you guys bye okay bye